So a catalyst is a person or thing that precipitates an event. Do you understand? Things don't just happen in life. There's something that precipitates it or brings it about. And it comes many times through a person or a thing or a situation or a circumstance. And that becomes a catalyst, an initiator of something. Faith is a catalyst. So if you want to initiate God's working in your life, you've got to exercise that catalyst in your life. Hi, welcome to the Pastor Scott Huffman podcast from Lighthouse Church. This is our second Sunday from our new church location in Irvine, California. Pastor Scott is starting a new series on faith. To find out more about Lighthouse Church, visit irvinelighthouse.org. Let's turn to Habakkuk. Pastor, is that in the Bible? Yeah, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. It's one of the minor prophets. Now keep in mind, if you were a minor prophet, it didn't mean that you were minor or less important. It probably meant that your book was a little bit on the shorter side, okay? The big books, Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, a little bit longer. And then we have the smaller books, and this is one of them, Habakkuk. But they were men called by God to be prophets of the Lord. They would speak forth the burden of the Lord, or they would speak forth the word of God to the people of God. And many times, <laughs> the people didn't want to hear what the prophet bought, uh, brought to them. Now, today in the New Testament, uh, the prophet speaks more for edification, exhortation, and comfort. So we're not speaking forth the declared word of God like they did in the Old Testament, which became the written scripture. But it's still a valid gift. And Paul said that you would all prophesy. I don't know if you've ever prophesied before, speaking, uh, speaking forth a word that comes from God. And prophecy really breaks down into foretelling and forthtelling. Foretelling would be the telling of the future. And God does give us things and insights into the future. And I've had many insights about what is to come. And the Lord has been showing me for years that this revival would come not only to America, but it'd be a worldwide revival. And when it hit Asbury, Kentucky, I was so excited. Hey, it's arrived. And uh, it's beginning to burn. And I believe that it's going to ignite us here in Southern California. And we're going to see God do amazing things. But then there's the fourth telling of the word of God. And that's for edification, exhortation, and comfort. God wants to comfort you. He wants to lift you up and strengthen you, encourage you in the things of his kingdom. And the Holy Spirit wants to be your teacher. And he might point out some things in your life that might need a little change, right? That's okay. Because the Holy Spirit knows what's best for you. And when we hear the word of the Lord and God speaking to us and telling us to make a change, my advice is make the change, right? Change is good. Everybody say that. Change is good. It always has been good. It's still good. And um, many times the Holy Spirit calls us to positive changes in our life. And that's always a good thing. Praise God. Did you find Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4? I'm going to read here. Now, I use the New King James Version of the Bible. You could use any version you like. There are so many. I know our girls love the different translations. Uh, the newest one is the, the one from uh, the, the Hebrew one. What's it called? The what? Tree of Life uh, one. The Passion is another good one. The Message, the, the New Living Translation. I mean, they go on and on. I've always preached out of King James, and when I first started, I was doing the these and thous, and People were like, I don't get all the these and thous. <laughs> so I changed to the New King James, and that's primarily what I use. But any translation 
is great, right? And whatever you're comfortable with and uh, that helps you grow in the things of God. Habakkuk 2.4, behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but here's what I want to concentrate. But the just shall live by his faith. Everybody say that. The just shall live by his or her faith. This is the key to the scripture, guys. You know, there was a there was a movie that came out years ago. It was it was what women want. And I don't <laughs> and I'm not promoting movies, believe me. Uh, I don't even remember that movie. But there was a phrase in that movie it was talking about uh, Nike shoes and women out on the road and how they would get on the road and run and exercise. And uh, I borrowed a little bit of that phrase that it came to me. Um, lighthouse, no religion, just life. And that has kind of stuck with us. And we are really not about religion here. We're about life. And it is the spirit that gives life. And we're not opposed to religion. But I find that religion in many ways leads to futility and um, uh, emptiness. And it's by the working of the Holy Spirit in your life, by the word of God, uh, that you really see positive changes in your life. So a lot of people get burned out with religion. Maybe you grew up in a religious home. Maybe you didn't. But we, we try to avoid that. I don't even believe Jesus himself was very religious. He had the most trouble with the religious people. Did you know that? They were always contending with Christ and arguing with him and debating with him. And, um, and Jesus uh, was straightforward in his speech with them and uh, had to confront the hypocrisy of their ways. In many ways, uh, living a religious life can be a hypocritical life for many people. They put on a mask, right? But you can't really hide what's within, amen? And uh, the Bible says, man looks on the what? Outward appearance, but what does God look at? The heart. And uh, God saw the heart of David, and he said, this is a man after my own heart. And we know David had a few problems in his life, and he did a few things that weren't great. But he's the one person in the Bible that has the title, a man after God's own heart. Boy, if, if anybody, if I could have any title in my life, that's one I'd want. We actually have a home. Um, Airline, we were working years ago trying to clean somebody's home for this buddy of ours, and we helped him out. And we happened to be working with a hoarder. I don't know if you know what a hoarder is. These people hoard things. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. They keep everything. So we get to this house, and we're thinking, it can't be so bad. It's in a nice suburban area. We go in there, and I mean, the trash was... <laughs> Was it about this high? It was crazy. It was crazy, you know? And everything you could imagine was there. And this woman, God bless her, was just compelled to keep things. And stuff that would date years ago, and she could not get rid of them. I believe this is really a demonic influence in someone's life. That's certainly not what God wants us to do. And it was controlling her life. But guess what we found there? <laughs> a bust, or the head of David. Now, we've been, to, uh, we've been to Israel, but we've also been to Italy, and we've been to uh, where David resides in Florence, Italy. And if you've had the privilege to go see David, he's 18 feet high, the statue. <laughs> and it's the most like, uh, uh, real-life uh, depiction of a person that you can imagine. His hands are strong and muscular, and it really depicts what David kind of looked like. And um, there he has his sling and his five stones when he confronted Goliath. Uh, but we actually have the head of David. It's a replica. But it's pretty accurate, isn't it? And um, we just moved recently. We moved up here in Irvine. And we just said, should we take the, the, the must? Everybody said, yeah. I think even Scott said, take David. So we brought David along. I'm not sure where David's going to be. 
but he's with us in our garage. But again, <laughs> a man after God's own heart. Now this scripture, the just shall live by his faith, is mentioned three times in the New Testament. And if you're taking notes, you can write them down. Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, and Hebrews 10.38. And I like to call this the triangle in the New Testament. It's the pillar upon which we stand. The fact that we all live by faith, and we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? And that's the life God has called us to do. And so God has sp spoken to me about talking and speaking about faith. You know, you can't please God without faith. Hebrews 11.6 says it's impossible to please God, for he that comes to God must believe that he is and a what? Rewarder of those that diligently seek him. People don't realize that when you seek God, he rewards you in your life. And you say, well, that sounds kind of like, do I do it just for the reward? No. You do it for the pleasure you find in God and the joy you find in following Christ and living for him. But as you do that, you get the benefits of it. The psalmist said, he daily loads me with benefits. Everybody say benefits. <laughs> do you want to be benefited in your life? God will benefit your life if you seek him first in your life. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then God says, I'll reward those that diligently seek me. How good is that to know? And you know, you can't please God without faith. You know, it's impossible. That's where the problem is. So many people want to please God apart from faith, and it won't work. And I hope that you want to please God today. Amen? And I'll also add that you'll never receive from God apart from faith. When you came to Christ, when you were born again, and you received Christ, you did it through what? The vehicle of faith. Amen? For by grace are we saved through faith, that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so when we came, we came through faith and the grace of God. God has called us to go deeper and higher in him. And I love to teach on faith because the spirit of faith is the spirit of victory in your life. And uh, the th two things I teach on <laughs> the most really is faith and victory because I see them go together. And really, we, you could throw in the word success in there. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you'll have what? Good success. These were the words to Joshua before he entered into the promised land. And God told Joshua, don't be afraid. Be strong. Be of good courage. Sometimes, guys, we got to be strong and we got to be of good courage. But we also know that God goes with us. And he promises he'll never leave us or forsake us. And so Joshua was the one called to take the baton that was passed from him to Moses. Remember, Moses died on Mount Nebo. And the Bible says God buried him, <laughs> which is kind of a mystery. And Moses never entered into the promised land. And you say, why didn't he enter into the promised land? Because Moses represents the law. And the law can't save you. And Joshua, the name Joshua is Yeshua, which represents or speaks forth the name of Jesus. And so uh, Jesus leads us into the promised land. Joshua led them into the land of blessing. Let's look at uh, 1 John 5, 4 if we could. Hope you're getting something out of this. <laughs> God said his word won't return void. 1 John 5, 4, very right at the back of your Bible. 
John and Jude Revelation, so we're right in the back. And I always say, I have a favorite scripture. The truth is I have lots of favorite scriptures, and this is one of them. 1 John 5, 4, whatever or whoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. What's the victory that overcomes the world? Our faith. Do you want to be victorious in this life? Do you want to be an overcomer in this life? Do you want to defeat the assault of Satan against him and the works of the enemy and the effects of this world? The only way you're going to do it is through faith. And as you walk and live by faith, you become an overcomer in this life. You become victorious. Faith is the doorway or pathway that leads us to victory in every facet of life. Praise God. Now, if we look at the life of Abraham, we get the best example of living by faith. So let's go back to Genesis 12, if we can. And by the way, we teach the entire Bible, Old and New Testament here, and I find some of the greatest promises in the Bible are found in the Old Testament. (laughs) There are over 2,000 promises in the Scripture. Did you know that? And uh, all the promises of God are yes and amen. If we just would get a hold of the promises of God and we would believe the promises of God, that we would act as though they're true, which they are, they would begin to actualize in our life and they would become a living reality in our life. The word would become alive in us, would be an incarnation. God was made flesh and dwelt among us. And so the word becomes an incarnation in our life inside of us and actualizes reality in us. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now, the Lord had said to Abram, at this time his name was Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I'll show you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you. Look at this, what the Lord said. I'll make your name great. (laughs) You should be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed just by the fact that Abraham believed God. You know, God's only really asking you one thing, to believe him. Did you know that? A lot of people think, well, I got to do this for God and that for God. Jesus said, this is the work, because the disciples said, guy, Jesus, you're doing all these miracles. It's awesome. Can we do it? How do we do it? And Jesus said, this is the work that you believe. That you believe. And as you believe, you what? Receive. Amen? Praise God. Now let's look over to the promise came to Abraham, and then we see in verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. God is our exceedingly great reward. He is the reward of our life. Now, we said he rewards those that diligently seek him, but he himself is the reward of our life, right? And you can obtain all the riches in this life, all the success, all the material things that people supposedly seek out in life and come up lacking, come up empty. But if God has become the reward of your life, if God has become the substance of your life, the source of your life, you'll never come up lacking, you'll never come up empty. And then look at verse 6. And he, Abraham, believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him, God did, for righteousness. 
So because he believed, it was accounted unto him for righteousness. In other words, he was accepted by God. Why? Because he what? Believed. How were you accepted in the kingdom of God? How did you become a Christian? You had to what? Believe. And through your faith in Christ, your faith in Jesus, you were born again, you came into the kingdom, and God counted you as righteous. You know, for years I struggled with that as a new Christian. I was, I was on what you call the roller coaster Christian life. <laughs> if I thought I was doing good, I was up. If I thought I was blowing it, I was down. And I was up, down, up, down all the time. And uh, it was a frustrating experience for me as a Christian. I wanted God in my life. I wanted to study the Bible. But I couldn't find this elusive thing called victory in God and consistency with God. And it eluded me for many years. And many people would come along, Christian brothers and sisters, who maybe they were sincere, maybe not, said, the answer is, brother, that you keep the law, you know, keep the word of God, and that'll please God, that'll make things right in your life. And it never worked for me. It became, it became a, a, a system of self-work, self-effort. And it failed, and it left me what? Feeling guilty and defeated. And there are a lot of believers today that walk in guilt and defeat because they haven't found the source that dwells in the source of righteousness. And once I got a revelation by the Holy Spirit that God had made me right with him as a believer and that I was now in right standing with God and fully accepted in the beloved, I never dealt with that ever again of feeling like the guilt and the condemnation. The Bible says in Romans 8, 1, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no guilt to those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, guilt is a powerful motivator, right? But guess what? It'll never change you. <laughs> right? Try it. I mean, you can, I could preach you to feel guilty today, right? But would that change your life? Probably not. <laughs> You'd go out and go back to what you were doing. <laughs> what would be better is if the Holy Spirit brought about spiritual change in your life and made changes by his spirit that gave you the ability to do what you couldn't do on your own. God said, I'll write my laws upon your heart and upon your mind. I'll give you the ability to do what you couldn't do on your own by the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Isn't that good news? Praise God. Boy, we're just getting started, and here it is, 10.50. <laughs> Time's flying. By the way, invite somebody to come to church so they can hear the word of God, they can worship. I mean, I love coming to church. I've heard pastors say, I didn't like to go to my own church. <laughs> That's bad if a pastor doesn't want to go to his own church. But, you know, I've always told people, if you go to a church and you don't feel comfortable and you feel there's a heaviness and there's something that makes you feel bad, I would say that's not the place to be. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. And a true Spirit-filled church should make you feel free, right? Should make you feel comfortable. Yeah, God's going to speak to you and deal with you sometimes, but you're going to feel free in that place. You're going to desire to seek God. You're going to have more of a hunger for God and his kingdom. Come on in. Hey, there's an open chair. Take one. <laughs> Praise God. I prayed somebody else would show up, and here we, and you're the one, and you brand new car. It's out here on the corner. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Um, hallelujah. You know, when we started this church, I said, Lord, I'm not going to have expectations. I'm just going to preach the word, right? We've been in, I call it captivity, but we've been 
you know, with this epidemic, we've been shut down from meeting in a church building for what has it been, guys? Almost three years. But we've been on the internet. We've been working for the Lord, reaching thousands of people, okay? If you don't believe me, get on Facebook and look up Pastor Scott Huffman. Lighthouse Church, you'll see that all of our family were doing these broadcasts. And we did them together, and we still do them. This is a little bit different format. But check them out on Facebook and see the responses that we got from around the world. It was really, it blew my mind, because all of a sudden, this whole audience showed up that we never knew about. And so, but now we've gathered again as a church. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to expect anything other than expect you to be here. And that you will be faithful to your word. And that your word won't return void or empty in our life. That if I preach the word of God, that word will work in your life. It will prosper and benefit your life. I'm going to tell you, if you receive what you're hearing today, because it's coming from the Lord and from the word, your life's going to change for the better. I can guarantee that. You can take that to the bank, okay? Because it's not about me. It's about the Lord and what he promises in his word. He wants to bring positive change in your life. I don't know about you, but I always look for positive change, amen? Praise God. So then what is faith? <laughs> That's a great question. You know, some things are hard to define. For example, try to define in words something that is beautiful. Go ahead, just think about it. How would you define to someone something that is beautiful? Well, it's, it's well, it has colors. <laughs> it looks good. It makes me feel good. Try to describe a sunset to someone and describe it as beautiful, what that means. It's a hard thing to do, right? And the Bible says we are to behold the beauty of the Lord in his temple, to inquire in his temple, to receive the beauty of the Lord. And many times it's hard to articulate what that means. And uh, if you're a believer today and you know the Lord, then you have a relationship with him. And when you talk about the Lord and his presence in your life, you know it's real, but it might be hard to describe to someone else. And I've had people, or I've had God talk to me on many occasions. And people have asked me, Scott, what does the voice of the Lord sound like? <laughs> Is it a booming voice like Charlton Heston? The Ten Commandments. <laughs> Moses. Uh, I've never heard an audible voice. Some people say they've heard. Anybody hear an audible voice? But I usually hear a voice that's very distinctive. And when I hear the voice of God, I know whose voice that is. It's not Marilyn, my wife's. It's not my girl's. It's not my friend's or anybody else. It's a different voice. It is the voice of God. And when you hear the voice of God, it changes you forever. And God does speak to his children. And if you listen, you'll hear his voice. Just as God spoke to Moses, said, get out of your country, get away from your family, and go to a land that I will give you, and I'll make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those that bless you, and I'll curse those that curse you. God still speaks today. He's very contemporary, you know. <laughs> and uh, he still wants to speak to you. Many times it's that still, small voice. But it is a distinctive voice. And you know the voice of the Lord when he speaks. Well, it's hard sometimes to describe the beauty of the Lord, as I mentioned. You know, people say, they might ask you, how do you know there's a God? How, how do you know that you have faith? How do you know that you really believe? You know, and non-believers will ask people, Christians, that. And many times you'll say, I just know because I know. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. But I just know there's a God, and I know I have a relationship with him. Anybody can relate to that? 
You may have a hard time articulating that, but you just know God is real, right, in your life. And, you know, before I came to Christ, I knew about God. I always thought everybody in America was a Christian. <laughs> everybody believed in God. But when they start talking about Jesus, I got nervous because that became very personal. And I wasn't sure that I was ready for that. But when you come to Christ, it becomes very personal. Jesus invades your space. <laughs> Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, I'll come into him and have fellowship with him. But that person must open their heart's door to receive Christ into their life. So Jesus became very intimate to me when I received him. And I had a personal relationship. And that's the greatest thing about Christianity. It's really based on relationship, a personal relationship with the Lord. So we know because we know, but there's more to the faith than just that. That's one component. But faith is so much more. And when we look into the Word of God, we're going to see a true explanation of what faith is, and not only what faith is, how faith works. Everybody say that. Faith works. It works in your life. <laughs> it really does. And that's God working in your life through the vehicle of faith. You know, there's, and we're going to close here very quickly because time is going, but there's two types of faith in the world today. There's what we call a natural faith and a supernatural or divine faith. I'll give you an example of a natural faith. Anybody ever flown an airplane? <laughs> okay, we all have. Now, when you get on that plane, you're going to have to have some faith. You say, faith in what? Well, you're going to have to have faith that that baby is going to get off the ground and all the tonnage that it weighs, and it's going to lift up and fly into the heavens, and you're going to get to the destination that you intend. That takes a certain amount of faith. And you say, how do you know? Because some people don't fly. You say, why don't they fly? They're afraid to. They're afraid to get in the plane and go. They don't have any faith that they'll get there. <laughs> Remember John Madden, football announcer guy? He had a phobia of flying. I read about this. So he drove around in a Winnebago. <laughs> he, was, he, was a, he was a football player and then a coach and, and a well-known personality. He was always there on Thanksgiving eating a big leg of turkey. And, but he drove to every venue around the country because he didn't want to fly. So when you do certain things in life, that's natural faith. But then there is a supernatural faith that becomes a gift that comes from God. Are you with me? If you're not a Christian, you don't have that gift. Now, I don't want to make you feel bad, but when you come to God, he gives you a supernatural gift of faith. He gives it to you. <laughs> and isn't that awesome? Because there's power in that gift. Supernatural power to do what? Move mountains. Work the impossible in your life. Hallelujah. God is the God of the impossibility. God can do things to your life that everybody say that's impossible. But God can still do it. Jesus said, if you believe, all things are possible to those who believe. And nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that? That's what Jesus said. Yeah, I like to read the words in red in my Bible. What are the words in red? Those are all the words that Jesus spoke. And most Bibles have the words in red. You can see I've got them. <laughs> read the words in red. See what Jesus had to say. Read the Gospels. I always tell people, when you come to the Lord, my favorite book to read is what? The Gospel of Mark. You say, why? 
because it's like a motion picture. It's very colorful, and it moves fast. There's only 16 chapters, and it deals with basically what Jesus did, the miracles he performed. And it's a great way to start out. If you say, I don't know where to begin in the Bible, try the Gospel of Mark. You say, where is that? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, okay? The second Gospel. And then I tell people, after Mark, start reading Galatians. Because you need to stay free in Christ and you don't need someone to hang you up with some kind of guilt trip and put you back under the law. And that's why Paul wrote Galatians. And then from Galatians, I say, start reading the book of Acts and see what happened in that book to those new believers. Praise God. Now, we're going to close here very quickly. Let's get a definition. Can we do this before we close? A definition of faith. Let's turn to Hebrews 11.1. In the back of your New Testament. This is what we call the Hall of Faith. It deals with all the people that were powerfully used of God and had great faith in God and His Word. Were they perfect? No. (laughs) Were they flawed? Yes. Are we flawed? Yes. Can we still do the works of faith today? Yes. You see? Can we fill this building with people? Yes. God can do it. Amen? To come and hear the Word of God and be changed. God can do the impossible. We just need to be faithful to what He's called us to do whether you're leading people in worship or you're just serving in the church or whatever God's called you to do, do it faithfully. Build the body of Christ and God will bring growth to the church because you know what? Jesus loves his church. He laid down his life for his church and he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? So what is church? Church is two or three believers gathering. We're in church today. We are the church of Christ. Amen? Whether we're in a building or not, and we just so happen to be kind of a nice building too, guys. And if you haven't noticed, it's not a bad area around here. I mean, have you seen the hills up there? I mean, we, God told me when we got here, he says, I, I brought you to this specific place. Now, I got a lot of stories I'll be telling along the way, how we got here and why we got here. And there, some of them are kind of very interesting. But I'll tell you, God has been speaking to me, and he told me I brought you here to this place. So I know... I'm supposed to be here with my family, and we're called to do this. Whether there's a million people here or two people, it doesn't matter. We're called to do this and be faithful to that. And God will bring the results, right? God will change your life. And if one person changes in this church, it's worth it, isn't it? It's worth it. Praise God. Did you find Hebrews 11? And then we're going to close, I promise. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is the realization, the confidence, the insurance of things hoped for. So faith is the assurance and confidence in what we are hoping for. Now, we need to understand the difference between hope and faith. (laughs) They are different. Did you know the Bible says, now abide, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. Agape love. God's love. It is the greatest In the Bible, it's God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. But faith and hope are right in there. Got it? Do you think they're important? You better believe they are. And faith and hope work together. Now you say, Pastor, well, okay, I kind of understand faith. What is hope? Very simple. Hope is expectation, get this, of future good. When you have hope in your life, 
you're expecting something good in the future. If you don't have hope in your life, then you are what we call hopeless or without hope. And the Bible says without vision, the people perish. And there are a lot of people that are hopeless in life. They're depressed. They see no hope in their life. They see no reason really to be living. They lack hope because they don't see any expectation of good coming into their life. That's the great thing about being a believer. God has good things in store for us. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. God has good plans for your life. Did you know that? He wants to do good things in your life. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So hope is the expectation of future good. But in order to receive our hopes, we need what? Faith. They need to work together, right? So as we operate in faith, we open the door for expectation of future good. And I believe there's a lot of people that miss out on future good because they didn't operate by faith. You say, well, pastor, that's, that's God's job. I don't have to do anything. Oh, you don't? <laughs> See, there is the God side of things and there is the man side of things. And uh, Jesus, how many times told his disciples and his followers, oh, ye of what? Little faith. Or you have no faith. He even said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find people that really believe? I'm not talking about an intellectual faith. I'm talking about a faith that kind of walks out of the water, <laughs> that takes guts. That's the kind of faith he's looking for. So you have to exercise faith to receive results in your life. And the faith must be based upon the truth of the Word of God. You see, if you come up with some weird philosophy, right, and you read about something, well, I'm going to start believing this, and you've got some goofed-up doctrine, that's not going to do a whole lot for your life. The Word of God is pure and, and reliable. And when you stand on the Word and you believe the Word of God, they come to pass, those promises in your life. You begin to see it become a reality. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're going, wow, this is working. This is really working. Woo! And you get excited, right? It should work. Jesus said it would work. <laughs> he told the Pharisees, you don't understand the scriptures and you don't understand the power of God. And I will tell you that the power of God is in this church. God has anointed our, our ministry with power. And power is a good thing. Jesus said, you should receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. So when we pray for people, there is a release of power upon people. Not my power, God's power, moving through us to people. And it brings healing and deliverance and change and blessing as you receive it by faith. That's all you have to do, right? Very quickly. Faith is a spiritual substance. Now, what is it? It's a heavenly materiality. I don't know what it is exactly. How do you describe love? What the world needs now is love, sweet love. I always thought that was Petula Clark, but it wasn't, was it? It was someone else that sang that song. Was it? I, that may be, I, I can't I always get that one, but anyway, go look it up on the internet. But that was a big song during the 60s. I think it was during the 60s. Um, you got a lot, some of you weren't here during the 60s, but, but it is true. That's what the world really needs is love, right? But how do you describe love? I mean, you know, the Bible defines love. 
But love is one of those intangibles. You know it, but you don't really know exactly, exactly how to describe it. And so there are many things in the Word of God that we know that are true. And so faith is a spiritual substance that comes from God. It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? It is the main operation in the kingdom of God, how it functions. Faith is a catalyst. What did you say, Pastor? I said catalyst. Do you know what a catalyst is? It's the guy that sells a car down the... No, no, it's not him. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, a, that's a swindler, I mean... <laughs> They say, don't buy new cars now because they're too expensive. I guess that's true. Anybody look to go buy a new car? Hey, in the kingdom, if God wants you to have a new car, go get your new car. It's no problem. God can do it, right? Now, we're not all wanting to be rich and famous, but God can provide for us when the world says that won't work. And God says, but it will work, you know? I'll tell you some things God has spoken to me that are pretty amazing. But you know what? When you're seeking God, God wants to pour out good things in your life. It's the problem of the people that are just seeking the handout from God, right? All I really want is what I can get from God. Well, that's not going to take you too far in life. I don't really want anything, but I want God. And I know if I get God, all the rest will be added unto me, right? Praise God. So a catalyst is a person or thing that precipitates an event, do you understand? Things don't just happen in life. There's something that precipitates it or brings it about. And it comes many times through a person or a thing or a situation or a circumstance. And that becomes a catalyst, an initiator of something. Faith is a catalyst. So if you want to initiate God's working in your life, you've got to exercise that catalyst in your life. And a lot of believers are waiting on God and God's waiting on us. <laughs> he's saying it's right here. Do what I said to do. Exercise your faith, right? Believe me and act as though it's true. <laughs> you know, the Bible says God calls those things that be not as though they are. He gives life to the dead. If God does that, don't you think we ought to do it too? But we just kind of roll over like the dead dog and just think we give up. I give up. No. Call those things that be not as though they are according to the word of God. You don't like your situation? Speak forth the truth of the word over it. God will bring about change in your life. He will, if you believe him. Faith initiates events in our life that connect us with the Lord and his presence and power. And a lot of Christians hang around around the fringes. They come to the Lord, and that's as far as they go. And God's saying, let's go, let's go closer. Come in closer. Do you want to get nearer to me? Do you want to experience more of me and more reality in your life? then draw near to me. You can get more, you can receive more in this life. Don't get to heaven and go, oh, I didn't know I could have got all that in this life. Did you read my book? It was in the word of God, right? Jesus promised it, right? Can I give you one and more analogy and that's it? And I am going to stop. And then the musicians, can, musicians, musicians are really easy to say. Musicians and singers can practice a little bit. Praise God. And by the way, you guys are getting better and better. I mean, it's like one time. It's totally different. That's all it takes. I mean, pretty soon they'll be recording you, you know. But uh, anyway, no, I thought it was very, very good. And um, it's hard to walk in and try to pull that off when you don't know anybody and you haven't even done it together. And, you know, last week may be a little rough. Today was way better. If you didn't see it or weren't here, you missed it. But you can watch it on our website. Right, Scott? He's filming it. Okay. 
Here's my last illustration. We're going to close. How many times did I say that? <laughs> a gasoline car. The reason I say gasoline car, because some people have electric cars. We actually have one. We have a Tesla. And uh, Kelly's got one, too. And it seems like everybody's going to electric cars now, whether we like it or not, <laughs> right? Mr. Newsom, so he said. <laughs> and um, it's the kind of the, the wave of the future, obviously. And I like electric cars. They're very fast and they're fun and, you know. But the, the, the one thing they don't tell you when you get an electric car is you, you better know where the stations are <laughs> to plug in. Because if you run out of juice, <laughs> electricity, your car just dies dead, right? The other day we got so close. <laughs> we were up traveling before we started our church, Maryland. We went up, to, uh, up near the, uh, San Luis Obispo. And we timed it down to like how many miles were left? Five miles, and you said it's downhill from here, Scott. I think we can roll. We can actually, and we rolled into Buellton. I seriously, and rolled into the station without, and, and you know, if, you're, if, you're, if you have an electric car and it dies on you, you're in big trouble because you can ruin the battery for one thing. And then they got to tell you on a flatbed, and there's a lot of issues. It's never happened to us, praise God. But we rolled in, we were praying and everything, and we got there and began to charge it up again. But sometimes they don't tell you about, you know, go get an electric car, but you better know what that involves, right? Know where you're going to charge that baby. Well, but let's go back to a gasoline car. Anybody have one? We still have one. I got a Jeep. A gasoline car runs by combustion. It takes place between gas and air mixture when it fires in the cylinder. Hi, this is Auto Mechanics 101. We'll be right back after this commercial message. I don't know that much about cars, but a little bit, okay? And what it does, it drives the crankshaft, right, Ace, which powers the vehicle. So in order to complete the combustion, there must be a spark that ignites the process, right? That spark plug ignites the fuel gas, uh, fuel uh, air mixture in the cylinder, and it explodes. And once that explodes, it drives the piston, which drives the crankshaft, which drives your wheels. Kind of cool. You can thank Mr. Ford for that, Mr. Henry Ford. In a spiritual analogy, let faith represent the spark that ignites the connection between heaven and earth, humans, and God himself. you got to have the faith to ignite the spark to make the, come on, connection. You say, well, I did that when I got saved, when I was born again. Well, that's just the start. It gets better and better and getting gooder and gooder. <laughs> you got to keep lighting that spark. <laughs> faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so that's what faith is kind of like. It's a spark. It's a supernatural force or entity that governs all the laws of God and his kingdom and his work in our lives. Thank you for listening to Pastor Scott Huffman. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You're increasing your faith today. Amen. We invite you to Lighthouse Church. We're located in Irvine, California. Visit irvinelighthouse.org for service details. Blessings, and we'll see you next week. Oh,